0: And we'll read again those first couple of verses of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit or by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed." The son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask your blessing upon the message tonight. Lord, I pray that you would guide my thoughts and my words. May I stay true to your word, Lord, and may you use it to strengthen us and guide us. Lord, help me as as I teach and preach this evening, Lord, and uh, please use it in our life. I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, I pray for that conviction and that drawing, Lord, that even this evening they would repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. May you be glorified, Lord, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, so we got into this chapter here, um, or it would have been a, just a couple of weeks ago, and we'll be looking here at the Antichrist for the next, uh, at least probably another sermon or two here um, in chapter 2. And we began it last time, and Paul coming back to this church, just to the emphasis of this letter, once again they were struggling again with the return of Christ, not knowing if they missed it, what's going on, and Paul gives more details of how they can know It has not happened. Christ has not returned. Again, this was a suffering church. They're going through tribulations. And this time it appears somebody came that was preaching, had a letter as if it was from Paul, deceiving them and believing that maybe Christ has come. And then he brings up the truth about the Antichrist. He said, listen, it hasn't happened yet. The Antichrist isn't there um he he's he 's not on the scene there 's going to be the falling away first, and then that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition and it begins to describe him in four and five. We got into this um last time that we were in the second thessalonians, and we 're going to continue with that here this evening and even in even on the When this video got uploaded, there's been a lot of, uh, not a lot of comments, but several comments that have been loaded. Mainly, I would guess, even though they're not identifying themselves, would be by SDAs. Um, SDAs are obsessed with eschatology, and there's not another doctrine that they're more wrong on than eschatology itself, besides that of the fourth commandment and their misunderstanding about the fourth commandment and the Sabbath day. They're obsessed with eschatology to an unhealthy level, just like many Christians can get very obsessed with it to an unhealthy level. Uh, they, have, they are certain and set that they knew who the Antichrist is, and that is, of course, going to be the Pope. If you're SDA, you know that. It's going to be the Pope. Um, Literally, if they would just look at world history, I don't know who it is. Maybe a pope will rise up and that's it. It doesn't matter. Uh, what, what's important isn't so much the man of the Antichrist as we're going to see, but it's who's empowering him, and that is Satan himself. But nonetheless, when you get into the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century, even, even well into the 20th century for that matter, um, there were, there, especially in the 19th and 20th century, there's a lot of people who thought, yeah, the pope is it. The influence they had in Europe, uh, the, 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 the position they In Rome, and so, and when the SDA movement got started based on faulty eschatology. Um, they came to the conclusion that they knew who the Antichrist was. There's no doubt it had to be the Pope. They spiritualized the book of Revelation. Uh, matter of fact, even the Mark of the Beast is actually because we go to church on Sunday. I don't know if you know that or not, but according to SDA Church, because we go to church on Sunday, that's actually the Mark of the Beast, which is ludicrous. It's complete nonsense. It's starting off with your false theology and going to the Word of God to make it fit is what takes place there. You don't do that. You allow the Bible to build the doctrine. And... uh, and, but the truth is, if you look at what's currently been taking place in the world in the last 30 years, since Pope John Paul II, there really hasn't been a very influential pope in the world at all. Pope John Paul II certainly was. If, um, if you remember who he was going back in the 70s and 80s, he traveled the world. Uh, 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 he was very, very active. And so there's a lot of speculation at that time that it in fact was going to be Pope John Paul II. But of course, he's come and gone. Um, that's not it. And since that time, the influence of the papacy has waned. The, all, of the, all of the crimes that are coming out, the, the wickedness and the vileness. And so that influence within the world and the world going a more humanistic direction has certainly lessened the influence that the Pope has on the world. Um, but again, as I mentioned last time, people are always speculating who the Antichrist is, and, and uh, it's just amazing. It's one of those things you can talk about and talk about, but it never helps your your, your spiritual character. It, it's more of entertainment value, if you will. Um, and so be careful with that. Make sure that our studies of the Scripture are there to edify and cause growth. Um, and so, so anyhow, but nonetheless, that's going to take place. People are going to talk about that and try and guess who it is. But again, what is more important about it isn't so much who the person is, but who's giving the power to that person. And it's talked about in a few other places in the Bible, um, and and that really is about it. Look over in Revelation chapter 13. We Look at a couple different places where the Antichrist is talked about. Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 17, the book of Daniel. We're going to look at a few of those tonight from 2 Thessalonians, where it talks about this man of sin being revealed. About how all this is going to come about when this Antichrist, who will be a world leader, um, uh, when he does come to power. Now, Revelation chapter 13, we've went through the book of Revelation. If you remember, once you complete chapter 9... Once you complete chapter 9, you go into a parenthetical part for the next several chapters all the way through chapter 14. And in this parentheses of the book, it's not chronological anymore. It'll pick up chronologically once you get into chapter uh, 15. All right, What it does here in this section is gives us more details about events, about characters, about people that are going to be coming to prominence during the seven-year tribulation time frame. The war in heaven, um, the, 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 the false prophet and of course the Antichrist. So I want to look at a few verses here that deal with the revealing of the Antichrist um, in Revelation chapter 13. So let's look at a couple of verses here. Verse number 1 of chapter 13 says this, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns uh, ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, Satan, and his feet and great authority. The dragon we already seen is Satan was already brought up in chapter 12. Again, 12 and 13 are, and, and it tells us that, our spirit, it's, it's given us a, a spiritualization of what is taking place. He's trying to draw imagery of, of what's going to be happening during this time. He says, And I saw one of his heads, as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouse, speaking great things, and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. He opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. And then that dwell in heaven and was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given, uh, uh, given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Whose names are not written in the book of life of the of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. And so here, in in these first ten verses of chapter 13, we're also going to Daniel in just a minute and look at this. It is describing to us where all of a sudden it is revealed this Antichrist. Now the first glimpse we have in Revelation is going back to chapter 4 when that seal is open. When you have the rider coming in to make a false peace that's going to be there. But that people don't realize who he is. At this time, his influence is gaining in the world, but here we get much more details about it. So I want to look through this a little bit, combining it with Daniel, as we can see his revealing that takes place. In chapter 13, it deals with the Antichrist. It's describing him as the beast out of the sea that the dragon is going to give power to. The dragon from chapter 12, again, is Satan. He has seven heads and ten horns, and upon the ten horns, ten crowns, And so we have this symbolism that is taking place here of this powerful monster that comes out of the sea. And and again, as as you dive into this, you you have to represent that the, the picture of this monster, of this beast, is representing two different things. Not only the Antichrist, but as we read into this, it's describing the Antichrist himself who's going to come to prominence and power. I'm going to tie that in with Daniel in a minute. But also the government system that he is going to set up when he gains world power. Because the day will come when the world gives him their power. They say, this is is the leader. But this will not happen until the tribulation time. That's what Paul is telling him in Thessalonica. The man of sin has not been revealed. That hasn't happened yet. It's not here. Um, And so this is describing those events when he does, when the Antichrist is in place and what's going to happen. So he says, the the beast out of the sea... There's only two possible meanings of it here uh, um, from Scripture that we see. First off, let's look over in Revelation chapter 17. I think this is the most likely of the meanings of C here. And look at verse number 15. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. So the most common thought, what's dealing with the sea, is the sea of humanity. In other words, the Antichrist is going to be a man. He's coming out of of the sea of humanity itself. The other possible analogy that we see in Scripture that it could be referring to is that of the abyss, the depth. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 30. We also see that compared to what's quoted in, in the book of Romans. And, and, again, that could be just be the symbolism of, of power coming basically out of hell, if you will, at that point. But I think the most likely is because of the connection between Romans chapter 13 and Romans chapter 17 that is simply dealing with the sea of humanity, that he's rising out from among us. Um, and I think that's, that's very likely. So he has these seven heads and these ten horns. And let's deal with the ten horns first. The t- a horn always represents power and strength and might. Uh, um, a fierceness, if you will, uh, a power of some sort. And so, Revelation lets us know that these actually, it describes for us exactly what it's talking about in chapter 17. Chapter 17, let me go back there in verse number 12. It says, "In the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings. Which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. So, Revelation's interpreting for us what we see taking place in chapter thirteen, and it says, "All right, these things they represent ten nations, they represent ten kingdoms, and uh, um, and, and so, and, and that certainly is uh, makes it very clear to us. Um, so, let's deal with these with these ten first, and then we're going to go into the book of Daniel from there." Um, and, 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 and we'll tie it all together. So some, have we speculated over the years, if you've been saved any amount of time, there's always been a rise. Are we dealing with 10 specific nations? Because when the European Union formed, we, ha- we don't right now, but there was a time frame when they got to the number 10. I don't even remember that. But every oh, we're like, we're there. I mean, I remember thinking that, like, wow, the European Union now has ten. It doesn't right now. It has twelve or thirteen. I don't know what's in it, but I know the numbers increased. I'm not sure what it is now, but I know it has. It's over ten by at least a couple of nations. And so, and so the thought was, wow, we could be right there. And it certainly might be talking about ten specific nations. But when you take into account Daniel chapter 2 and the statue of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and getting down to the feet, which is getting into the time of the Antichrist and the ten toes, it, it, it could also be referring, it could mean specific, some nations could fall out, it could get back to ten and he rises up out of those ten nations. That certainly is possible. I think there's no doubt that the Antichrist is going to come somewhere out of Europe as a, Europe, as a world leader. Uh, but there's also, looking at 10 in relation to Daniel chapter 2, it could be dealing with the totality of all nations. Because even in the chapter we're in, it makes it very clear that the Antichrist does not, just, just does not rule ten nations. He rules at the time frame, the powers given unto him, the world. All nations, not just ten. So it's also, uh, also a possibility that we're looking at an interpretation that is dealing with the totality of the world, uh, like we see in Daniel chapter 2 with the feet. So that's a possibility. Or is it referring just to the beginning, the start of the rise of the Antichrist. That's a possibility dealing with some type of ten-nation confederacy in, in Europe, the revived Roman Empire um, that the Bible speaks of. So that certainly is, is oh, wow. I've got to move. How did that happen? It was just like 7.25 a second ago. My goodness. Did somebody move the clock? I bet you... Brother Martin, I know you did that, Brother Martin. You probably stood up there and would Heidi do it, didn't you? Move that clock. Wow. Okay, let's move on. Um, and, of course, each of these rulers will blaspheme, have the blaspheme on their crowns. In other words, these rulers uh, of the world are going to hate God. They're going to hate him. And you can see that coming under Can't you see the, the hatred for God in our world right now? Is, especially leaders? Think, think of what happened? It was New York. It wasn't in California. California do the same thing, though I have no doubt. Do you remember when New York voted in it wasn't that long ago um, I can't remember they voted in that you could perform an abortion up until birth. Which is just astounding to me, which is true in a lot of places. So that's not shocking. We know that that's taking place and how wicked and vile that is. But what I want to bring up about that time, what happened at that vote, hasn't happened in any other state. When they voted that in, the legislation for the state of New York applauded. I mean, that's just a hatred. That's all that is. That is just a hatred. That they just voted in up until before that baby's born. If that woman decides she wants to kill that child, so be it. They voted in law and then look what we did. So in other words, you can see it. There's evidence is everywhere the hatred of God. But then you have, you have that not only the ten horns, you have the seven heads. Um, and And again, in verse 17, let me go back to 17. It helps us interpret a lot of this. Let me see if I can find the verse here. And there are seven kings. This is, I'm, in, I'm in chapter 17, verse 10, which is going to help us interpret the seven heads. And it does a very good job of it right here. So, follow, so this beast is rising out of the sea. It has the ten horns, which are representing either ten literal nations for his assumption to power, or just the totality of all nations. One of the two. We know this, that the world leaders involved are going to have a hatred for God. Alright, so he's coming up out of that to assume power. It's going to give us the event that's going to catapult that here in just a minute. But now, when it's given us the description of the revealing, it deals with these uh, uh, with the, 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 the um, seven heads. Verse 10 interprets it. And the seven kings, five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. So... We, we certainly know what this is talking about as well. So uh, these things are dealing with the world powers that have existed in history. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, Greece, the current one, those are gone. There was one is when he wrote that. That was the Roman power was there and one that is not. That's going to be the revived Roman Empire. That's what the Antichrist raises up and puts in world domination. So you have those, Egypt, Assyria, um, Babylon, Medo-Persian, Greece, Rome is, is current, and then the one that is not is referring to the Antichrist. That's what it's referring to in the picture of this beast. So out of that, it has a picture of those that were come before, and then ten nations will form with power represented by the horn, but from those is going to rise up the Antichrist, and they're going to give him their power. They're going to let him be, this is the man, all right? So that's what it's dealing with when he is revealed, how it's going to come about. But it also gets into, it, it, it begins to describe it even more. Um, between Daniel and Revelation, it is interesting how it puts it together. John views the beast, as we read as, uh, 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 as we read earlier, not going for time's sake, I can't go back there and read it. But as a leopard, the feet of a bear, the mouth of a lion, and a dragon gave him power. That exact same thing is given in Daniel, but with a slight difference. Daniel represented it as individual beast, whereas now in Revelation, when John takes it and the Lord directs him, it's as if it's one. But both describe the same thing. Alright? And so... And so, what's interesting about that is we know from Daniel what it's talking about. The lion represented the Babylonian Empire, greatness and strength. The bear, medo Persian Empire, because of their fierceness and they were, there was a nasty thing. You didn't want to be part of that. The leopard, Greece, speed. If you know anything about Alexander the Great, when he the Great when he dominated the world, he was certainly known for his keenness on the battlefield and with how rapid he conquered the world. I mean, I think he was dead by 31 or something else. Remember. I know it's early 30s. I can't quite remember. I think it was by 31. He was actually dead. Um, and then, and so what this puts it together in Revelation 13 is, is the Antichrist will have all of those attributes, not just one of them. He'll have all of them. He's going to be, as has horrible as all those were, this last one where the Antichrist is given power by the dragon, he'll. He'll maintain the characteristics of all of those world empires. In other words, he's going to be worse than anything the world's ever seen. There'll be nothing nothing that will compare to it. Um, He'll be that bad. That's what's going to take place. Now, let me quickly, let's go back to Revelation chapter 13. Let me read a couple of verses here real quick. I'm not going to get through all of this uh, for time's sake here tonight. But we do need to bring this up. So verse 2, this is where he talked about, he's like unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, his mouth the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power. Again, you go back into Daniel chapter 7, 3 through 7, it describes the same thing with individual ones. It's just saying that he is going to be the culmination of all those world empires and have all of their power combined. But here's what takes place. Verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who was like unto the beast who was able to make war with him? And, And then the great words from there. So here we have an event that takes place in regards to the Antichrist that directly leads to his worship. All right? Up to this time, he's a great world leader. But something takes place where he's just not looked at as a great world leader and, King, and earth's given him his power. He's actually worshipped as God. Um, and that's what it's describing, describing to us. He's already in power. Um, and so it describes this event that takes place. Some like to say, no, this is just describing the revived Roman Empire. That doesn't flow with the text. This is dealing with the Antichrist himself. He is, for for time's sake, I'm going to have to go through this very quickly. He is going to manage to pull off a pseudo-resurrection is what's going to take place. He's going to pull off a pseudo-resurrection. And when the world sees that, it's going to lead to his worship. All right? So he comes to power. He's this great world leader. Ten nations or the totality of nations. they, They give the power unto him. And in the midst of all of this, he is slain, or it appears so. And then there's a pseudo-resurrection that takes place, and the world is in wonder. Look at this. And that event changes him, not just as a world leader, but again, the people worship him. As it says here, they're actually worshiping the dragon, Satan, which is what he wanted. Which is what he wanted. Now, they don't know. They're not running around with Satan t-shirts on and everything like that, and we're worshiping Satan. They don't know it. This is the same thing you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where they were worshiping idols. What would they, but Paul said, you don't realize what you are actually doing is worshiping demons. That are behind the idols. So when they're worshiping the Antichrist, what they don't realize is they're, they're, they're simply worshiping the dragon, Satan, who is empowering the Antichrist. And so, again, this is all going to come about mid-trib. Three and a half, three and a half years through it, when this is going to take place. And, and that, this, is going to take, uh, this uh, assassination is going to take place. This pseudo-resurrection is going to take place. And it is directly going to lead to his worship. And then in the other verses, when it deals with his revealing from there, he he speaks with great swelling words. He's going to be a powerful speaker. We know that from other places. We're not going to turn there for time's sake. But you can see the power of speech. You know, when you look back, World War II with a type of Antichrist, a small one, Adolf Hitler. When Adolf Hitler came to power, I mean, his speeches were what stirred the people. And and in him, I think it's another case of, of pure demonic to see a guy of who he was to be able to speak like that. You, you know, I, I think it was just such a demonic influence on his life. Uh, but, but people, when he spoke, before Nazi Germany and everything took off, even, what was his name, before Winston, Winston Churchill, remember, he's the only guy or, saying, we've got to do something about this guy. The guy um, yes. One of them, was either Chamberlain or the one prior to him, so when Hitler, when the Nazism was growing in Germany, he had actually made the statement. I have the quote somewhere in my office. He made this statement about how England needs a world leader like this, or needs a leader like this in Ireland. I'm like, what? Was that Chamberlain that said that? Yes. And so there was, when he spoke, it deceived people. And the Antichrist is going to be doing that. The deception is going to be strong. It's going to be powerful. And think of all that's been taking place. The seals and trumpets have already happened. They're done. And now here's this world leader. He's been prominent since the beginning. But now he has much power given to him by the nations of the world. All of a sudden this pseudo-resurrection takes place and they begin to worship the guy. But what's getting ready to happen is those vials are getting ready to be opened. That's where you pick up in chapter 15. That's where it gets back to chronological at that time. So that deals with the revealing of it, but I I really got to shut this down. So with heads bowed and eyes closed.